grandfather tell me how it was when you were young Was the world so very old when your life had just begun? Oh, grandfather, tell me, is it true you worked the land? And the tools that you used, you made with your own hands Welcome to the Living Permaculture Show. I'm Katie and Kay. My name is Stephanie Sison, calling in from Puerto Rico. Jerome is in the studio today, and we have a special guest as well. Uh, so, hi, Jerome. Who's with you in the studio today? Uh, Tiffany's here with us. Hi, guys. Oh, awesome. Hi, Tiffany. Thanks for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Yeah, this is yeah. this is going to be fun. We have uh, uh, the... Um, teacher and host and promoter of the uh, farm in, in Puerto Rico. Uh, we have one of the teachers and elders, and then we have one of the students and a kimchi maker and a, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and, a, and a professional chef on on the show today. Right. Excellent. So we just uh, wrapped up our first crimpy permaculture design course in Puerto Rico uh, last month, and at the site that I steward here on the island in the winters most of the time. A lot of our listeners have heard about this project before. Um, this time, Jerome had the pleasure of coming down and, and being a lead instructor for that course. And, of course, as he said, the, the elder um, and, and guru of permaculture, having him down at my site in Puerto Rico and just on the island in general was such a blessing and um, so great to have him there. And we had 20 wonderful students from around the country join us there as well, which Tiffany was one of those students and quite a few other Roaring Fork uh, and um, North Fork Valley residents. So it was a big Colorado contingency down here and it was, it was great. We had a great time there in a little off-grid in the jungle, talking permaculture and, and living together and learning together for two weeks. How did you like being in Puerto Rico for the first time, Jerome? Well, I thought it was great, but uh, I also want to add that we had uh, at least a half a dozen other main teachers there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, probably the best course that I've actually ever been in, that's like 35 years, 37 years of doing the permaculture class, I thought. Um, you know, we were able to get Michael Judd and uh, um, Patrick and uh, Adrian, and then we had two or three local people coming in. Uh, so uh, it was just an amazing uh, array of, of, of brains, brain power coming in, sort of the group mind, and then all the students brought their uh, experience to the, to the table as well. Uh, I thought it was... It was just great, and then the fact that you actually got the whole place constructed within, you know, probably a couple of three weeks before <laughs> all your your classrooms, your bathrooms, a really nice composting toilet that you that Dan and uh, the crew built. Uh, then you know they had uh, the kitchen was really well organized. We had really good food and uh, lots of organic food and. Um, and then your garden, too, is kind of right front and center there. So we were able to go out and get get all the stuff, veggies from the garden and make salads. And um, I thought it was just great. I, I had a really primitive little uh, 
spot with a just a, a platform made out of pallets and a and a roof over it and your tent and a, a pad. So I was comfortable, uh, but I just think that um, you know it was really amazing to go there and be able to create something like that in a short period of time without a lot of input and a lot of money, uh, just using the materials you found in the jungle, the bamboo and all the trash trees that you could saw up and use as framing and uh, just making everything uh, making everything go up as they went along. I thought it was a great experience. Yeah, we were really fortunate, uh, and a shout-out to all the wonderful people who came to help um, during the course, of course, but absolutely before the course and that those weeks ahead, those pushes in construction. And, um, you know, we have a lot of wonderful builder friends, Stone and Nick, and, and they came out, and Nate and his dad, and um, they came out to help us. And, you know, not a lot of people aren't really used to working with, these jungle materials, you know, no dimensional lumber to be found, all uh, curvy living woods and bamboos. Um, so palm fronds as walls is really a great opportunity to test our abilities to create comfortable, uh, usable, beautiful spaces with things that we can find in the jungle instead of going to Home Depot or something like that. Um, so it was a I'm so proud of all the helpers and workers and teachers and students and everyone who really came together to make this course happen here on the island. It was a fantastic experience for us to have so many people enjoying the site that we've been living on. And uh, Tiffany, so great to have you there. Even though I, I tried to get her to be the cook, but she denied my request <laughs> and instead wanted to be a student. <laughs> Next time I'm making her be the cook, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> it's on the calendar. Um, yeah, awesome. So how, how did you feel about the course, Tiffany? What was your experience being um, a student and, and being in Puerto Rico? Had you been in Puerto Rico before? It was my first time in Puerto Rico, actually, and it was an incredible experience. Um, obviously, the tropical weather in the middle of winter was a big benefit, but um, <laughs> I, I just learned so much, not only from the teachers, but just from everyone there. I mean, everything from, like, gazing at the stars every night around the campfire and talking about astrology and um, the sessions in the classroom in this beautiful setting, learning about design projects and different perennial plants and medicine and making our lotion. That was such a fun highlight for me. Mm -hmm. um, it was just truly incredible. I, I couldn't really explain permaculture in a sentence going into this when people asked what I was going to go do in Puerto Rico for two weeks, and now I definitely can't. So. <laughs> More than one sentence, I imagine. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And when you did get, uh, we did corner you into making a kimchi one night. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, plus, you did it up at my place uh, last week, so that was really nice. But um, that, you know, and there was a lot of uh, people making uh, contributions into the kitchen. Uh, Diana, I believe, was um, making bread every day uh, and mm -hmm. cooking it in a um, in the fire, iron, an iron skillet, skillet in the fireplace or in, in the fire pit uh, where the pig was being roasted. Uh, one night so we did um you also 
uh, do really well with integrating the your, the neighbors in your uh, in your surrounding area there where you made friends and uh, partners with a lot of the local farmers and the local people there uh, and brought them into um, the class so that we could meet the local people and uh, you know have a pig roast um, go out into the jungle with uh, a couple of your neighbors and uh, learn about agroforestry so that was another really uh, great opportunity to uh, to just to be out with uh, the locals. Yeah, and our neighbors were so excited to um, have everyone there and feel the energy of just so many people interested in what they're doing and how they manage lands and appreciative of these plants and these places that they've been cultivating and living for their entire lives. Um, so to, to see there's, you know, here in Puerto Rico and lots of places, there's just this exodus of young people from the country wanting to be in the city and not wanting to live these country lives out in the sticks somewhere, however people think of it. And I think a lot of our, our neighbors are much older and they really are excited to see that there are a lot of young people that really appreciate the lives that they've designed and created and, and want to do something similar for themselves. So it's uh, certainly a mutual relationship. We're very fortunate to have the neighbors that we do and be building the relationships that we are with them. They bring us so much knowledge and of plant species and climate and the history of soils and just um, so much kindness and knowledge has been shared with us, and we're very fortunate for that. You know, the, the site itself was so unique. Um, um, you know, the fact that there are these relatively steep hills and very little fat space. And and the, the soil, there actually isn't very much soil at all. It's just a kind of caliche, right? Um, right, just rocky limestone. Limestone. And um, uh, it was that, that was unique, um, the fact that, you know, really working with parent material, like, like we are in Colorado, if you're not on the bottom land. So like kind of what I'm doing up at Crimpy is that, you know, working on red sandstone, you were working with just raw caliche, and you had a really nice garden going for, uh, in spite of that because of some of the other voodoo you did on, on that, <laughs> bringing some of the mycelium out of the forest and um, mulching. And um, uh, you had a you know very healthy garden, and... A, and a sort of an emerging a, a food, food force as well in the background. So um, I, I was walking out in the garden every morning while I was eating my breakfast, and I, um, you know, every time I'd go out there, there I'd see something different, um, recognize something that, uh, you know, the last time I was out, I noticed there were the three of the leucaena that I gave you that did sprout, and... Um, there were about five or six bees on it, and then there were some leucaena seeds popping out of one of the dried flowers. So um, it's nice to see that leucaena that I was growing in my greenhouse, growing in your garden and going to seed and, and actually mm. feeding the bees. And, um, you know, that was... Uh, and then you have lots of other uh, nitrogen-fixing and perennial polycultures going in, in, your, in your garden. Um, you can talk a little bit about your garden. Sure. Um, yeah, so we 
have about a acre and a half flattish area that's more of the annual vegetable garden is mostly what you see when you look at it just because those plants grow so fast and right now there is so much um, sun and also just uh, more of an immediate need for food production for our family as well as any of the neighbors or surrounding areas that we participate in um, sale or trade with and so we have uh, tons of, of vegetables, all kind of your your whole regular smattering of carrots and onions and garlic and kale and, and all of that. But um, in addition to that, we have, a, like you just said, Jerome, the emerging food forest. It's a little wider spacing than what you have there in basalt so that I can hopefully, because it is the only uh, other flat area, Keep some spaces for some annual vegetables around, but but as time moves forward, um, there'll be much more shade in that area, much more perennial production as I continue to grow the annuals and the spaces in betweens. And really, just uh, as you said, with the the soils are not ideal, um, but we can grow a lot of food right now as they stand with a few different practices. Um, but over time, the soil will get better and better and and having the space filled with plants whether they're for the bees or for the soil or for medicine or for food um, just covering that soil with useful plants in one way or another is really important to create that succession into a healthier um, soil biome and a healthier more diverse ecosystem it's just incredible and I, I always remember sitting at your pond and seeing the, the dragonflies uh, go all around your pond there, Jerome. And we didn't have a pond for a while. And pretty much the second we got one in, um, I hadn't really seen dragonflies until the day there was water in that pond and the dragonflies came. And so each little element that we're able to add of diversity of a plant species or surface water or um, lots of different things, mulch on the ground, we end up inviting some new element of diversity that brings more balance and, and wholeness to the site. So it's been, it's been really fun to, even just in this year and a half, to see the difference. Um, that's a lot of the strategies that you taught me and that I learned at Crimpy and have been exploring ever since, they really work and they really work fast. And we can take these sites that aren't perfect. I think a lot of people think they need to find some site that's, you know, always been perfectly treated and never been destroyed and the soils are great and, and that's all well and good if you can find it. But there's a whole lot more land out there that um, doesn't have the perfect soil, but the soils with just very basic strategies that is taught are taught by Crimpy and in this course down here in Puerto Rico, we're able to really move uh, forward quickly with soil development and food production in ways that are holistic and healthy and sound and will only get better over time. Um, so it's, it's exciting to, to participate in that uh, here on this project. Yeah, build soils or die, right? Right, time is now. And, you know, I mean, you had a lot of uh, sun hemp and a lot of uh, nitrogen-fixing interplantings, um, mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, you'll, uh, which actually are cover crops. So you can be you're going to be building soils and, you, and you're bringing in a little bit of uh, leaves and litter from the from the forest and some of that mycelium. 
Um, and I noticed there's, and there's enough diversity, so there, there weren't any aphid problems. But um, you know, being in the jungle, um, it was a really benign place. I, there, aren't, there aren't any mosquitoes mm. because of uh, all the caves that you have. That's another unique thing about that property is that there's these huge caves uh, everywhere, and the bats are, are there. It's kind of like Austin where the bats are under the bridge. And then they're taking care of all the mosquitoes. Well, you have the bats in the caves taking care of all the mosquitoes. And also the the frogs at night. Uh, mm, they're, they're cokey frogs. They're almost deafening. Uh, thank God I take out my <laughs> hearing aids and I don't have to hear them. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they are amazing. And then the doves in the morning and then all the birds and... Uh, it's, uh, and the lizards clawing around the trees. <laughs> it's just, it's, but there was nothing that nothing that would bite you or nope. or, or bother you at all. It was a, it was a very benign. Uh, even though it rained almost every day, I never really felt that it was a it was a nuisance. It was all just part of the the day. Um, you know, it was just part of what was going on. And and Rhythm. rain really helps because it. You know, waters the garden every day, and waters the forest, right? You know, so, uh, and, you know, uh, Tiffany, do you want to talk a little? Do you want to anything else come to mind about um, the class or your experience there? Do you want to chime in some more about? Sure. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm Latina, and let I said that like a white girl. I'm Latina, and <laughs> <laughs> it was really special to have um, that perspective of permaculture in in Puerto Rico, and like bringing Maria Beneditti. She is a amazing permaculture and um, grower and a teacher, and she is one of the few leaders in the Latin world in this kind of movement. And it was very inspiring. I mean, if permaculture is maybe a teenager in in America, I feel like in Latin America, it's it's an infant if that. And it's really important and special to kind of see that those two worlds of mine um, connecting. And, and a lot of people don't know that Puerto Rico is kind of a food desert. Most of the food is imported. So teaching the community around you how to grow food in this sustainable way and learning from them as well all these old old methods that their grandmothers and their grandfathers taught them is, is so special that you're helping revive that movement over there and and that'll keep trickling to the rest of latin america and the world yeah it's it's uh it's a sad food state here on the island i think you know upwards of 85 percent of the food is imported which is just sounds so crazy considering it's a tropical island that you know papayas just grow everywhere um, and around us we're fortunate we do have you know quite a, a large population or it's a small population town but most of the people do farm uh, to one extent or another but you go out of these more rural areas and it's not that way at all and even even the papayas that grow like crazy um, in the grocery store, they all come from the Dominican Republic or Costa Rica, and there's a, a series of unfortunate events leading up to how Puerto Rico got the way that they are, um, you know, some upwards of, you know, around governmental programs and things like that. But um, however we got here, here we are, and it's important to me to have food security Um and I'm excited to be part of whatever role I can play in either saving species from being lost 
from elder neighbors who don't have anyone in their family that wants to continue the farming tradition or um, sharing these other ecological methods to add and contribute to the, the ways that things are being farmed here already. And thanks for bringing up Maria. It was so great to have Maria Benedette here and um, on the site. And we've become friends over the last couple of months. Just a wonderful ethnobotanist, writer, herbalist. If anyone out there is looking for a good book to order, um, any of the books by Maria Benedette are, are really wonderful reads. Um, she has some in English and in Spanish, so get get on the Internet and find them because they're wonderful books. Oh, and I have an update. Uh, we have baby bunnies. Oh, congrats. <laughs> they look like they were getting busy. Yeah, yeah they were, <laughs> as bunnies do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Those, uh, yeah, you're, uh, part of the, the chores was to go out and weed and feed for the rabbits, and they had so much... They had a lot more food than my rabbits right now. I have about, oh, I have about twenty-five breeding does, and uh, they're all pregnant. So wow. uh, you know, you're talking. Uh, you know, do the math on that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not ready to do the math on that yet. I'll just do two breeding you know, does for now. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be calculus, right? <laughs> not going to be math. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're uh, we just had a great. Um, curry rabbit uh yesterday and uh with with fallon fallon came over and uh and helped me yesterday and uh and we had a great curry curry rabbit stew and um, we just had um chicken roast chicken from one of our chickens one of the first uh of the meat birds that we've harvested just a few days ago um, and we're now with the extra produce since all those 30 <laughs> student and teacher eaters aren't around anymore. Uh, we've been going over to Rincon to Chris and Celeste, which was one of the farms that we visited on our tour day, um, and selling at their market. And, and we just, everything every farmer brings sells out a hundred percent instantaneously. Um, so that's been a, that's been a really nice time to get over there and, and visit some friends and also get some food to some people who are really hungry for it. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're running out of time here, so we're going to... Um, is there anything you want to talk about as, as far as the um, uh, any announcements for what, what you're going to be doing uh, and when you're coming back? Uh, sure. Um, well, we'll be... We need to announce the dates for the Crimpy PDC there at your place. Jerome, which is in what July? Yeah, it's in July. It's about the fourteenth of July, and then that that is filling up, and we're uh, we're going to have have you and and Kareen Arby um, as instructors, um, and we're also going to be doing that uh, charrette this coming weekend uh, mm-hmm. over at Cattle Creek. So um, that's uh, going on, and Kareen will be here for that weekend, and. Uh, so that's kind of what we're doing. I mean, our workshops are filling up, uh, our spring workshops. If you want to go to org, No, you want to go to Jerome, uh, crmpi.org. <laughs> uh, you, can see our, you can see our web, uh, our website and our scheduling. Um, and so uh, are you you planning any uh, herbal workshops with... Um, with Maria? Yeah. Yes, we are. So uh, we haven't posted the dates yet, but I suspect 
Uh, they'll be sometime in June as well as perhaps in the fall. Um, but anyone who's looking for any of the uh, programs down in Puerto Rico um, can look to biodynamicbotanicals.com or any of the bigger, longer programs like the PDC will also be on uh, crmpi.com when or .org when we when we have them ready and the new dates picked out for next year because we're hoping to lure mm-hmm. uh, both of you down again for other courses here in the winter when you're tired of the cold of Colorado <laughs> and you need your <laughs> tropical Latin vacation slash work session. Uh, hopefully yeah. we'll have your, your palapa a little less rustic by the time you get back but no promises <laughs> well at least you should have a bucket up there anyway so <laughs> <laughs> i can that i can do that i can do but anyway i think it's gonna it's gonna be great and uh, we're looking forward to doing something next year and we'll and we'll see you um in july if not sooner um so uh, well that's gonna be all thanks for coming in tiffany and um Thanks for coming and making uh, kimchi last weekend, and uh, we'll have some of that kimchi at uh, at our meeting at uh, Cattle Creek. Yum. Yeah, so we're going to have a nice meal there, a couple meals there, and we'll have kimchi. And uh, Okay, well, um, we'll probably have you on again uh, um, in the next uh, couple of months then. Yeah, and I'll be back in May, but until then, I'm going to go jump in the ocean, which I'm sitting right at right now, looking at the palm trees, Wayne. Um, And thanks to our listeners. You've been listening to the Living Permaculture Show on KDNK. We'll see you next month. Bye-bye. Ciao. When your life had just begun Oh, grandfather, tell me, is it true you worked the land? And the tools that you used you made with your own hands Before time was only money and machines made man a slave Was the world all milk and honey before all the streets were paved The grandson I Before time was only money And machines made man a slave The world was milk and honey Before all the streets were paid Now grandson remember In the days that are to come Don't let time be only money Don't let machines make you a slave And taste the milk and honey Before all the streets are paved Yeah, there's more to time than money More to treasure than to save Taste the milk and honey